Welcome to my dad's podcast, everyone. Thanks, Harper. And yes, welcome to my show, everyone. My guest today on the One Album Podcast is my good friend Tyler Neely, where he talks about Pearl Jam's first album, 10. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, Ty, thanks for uh, being my guinea pig and giving me your time so I can kind of figure this stuff out. All right, today, uh, Tyler Neely is my guest, um, a gentleman that I've known for almost four years. It almost feels like I've known you a lot longer than that. Feels like 30. Yeah, it feels like yeah. 30. One of the things that I wanted to do to, to the reason I started this, and we talked about this kind of um, pre-production, was that... Uh, as I got into radio, you know, gosh, almost 30 years ago, even, holy smokes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, about probably about 25 years ago, why I got into radio. And, and I, I couldn't have told you at the time, you know, I just wanted to grow my hair long and, and turn my amp up to 11 and, and uh, play music and just kind of be crazy. Um, but and so my my pursuit of of radio broadcasting was around um, in the end, as I reflect on it now, was kind of just the, the human spirit around music and uh, what it did for me. And, and it, I think everybody has that story. Um, and growing up in my house with my dad, who was a huge Beatles fan, um, I remember he had an old Wurlitzer jukebox and every 45 in that jukebox was the Beatles record, right? <laughs> so we had this 750 square foot house and you know, it, the our living room was like the size of a postage stamp uh-huh. and my dad had this 6 square foot Wurlitzer <laughs> jukebox full of Beatles records. Gotta have it. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. So we listened to the Beatles and and Buddy Holly and and I mean just all sorts of bands that I can't stand to listen to today. Uh, but I heard him all the time and I appreciate him and, and what music did for my dad. And he always would say, oh yeah, when this record came out, I was here and I was doing this and I was doing that with my dad. And, and, and almost the, the, the song would go away in the story and the story that the song would propel some cool, cool conversation uh, about history and, and things like that. And so now as I, kind of evolved in what I'm doing and, you know, professionally and, and whatnot. Um, I've gotten back to that uh, or I have the op- opportunity or ability to kind of um, get back to it. And so as I sit and I wonder where I'm going to go and what interests me with my time and how do I feel valuable in the world and blah, blah, blah. Um, I realized that when I got into music it w- or broadcasting, it was really human interest stuff. So, and that connection with music. So, and I don't think that's a mystery to anybody that is a record collector like yourself yeah. or CD collector or um, anybody that plays or anything. It's it's not about just playing it. It's about where it takes you. So, mm-hmm. so I have this opportunity. So anyway, this is my first go around and I appreciate you being here and who knows where the heck it'll go. Maybe just you and I will be the only persons that will ever hear this, but that's fine. Um, so, uh, one of the things I thought I would do just kind of in talking to with my dad and, or kind of telling that story about my dad, um, and, and how he would say, Oh, I remember when that song came out, you know, when rubber soul album came out, mm-hmm. I was da 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 with my dad and we were building the rest stop and mm-hmm. on one ninety five halfway between Sp- Spokane <laughs> and Pullman and, you know, stuff like that. That was really cool. And so I thought, you know, every, everything that I talk about, 
when I recall music, and that's the cool thing that I think you and I share is that when we talk about music and what it does for us, we don't just really talk about the song in some hard charge and lick or, or you know, chop or whatever. It's, it's you know, something beyond that. Um, and uh, so I had asked you, you know, you know, give me one album. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you you almost responded real quickly, Pearl Jam's 10 album, and that really resonates with me. So I, I was really excited to hear that that you would say Pearl Jam 10, and knowing that I'm 50 and you're <laughs> you're what pushing 30, 30, 38, 38 pushing yeah. 38. So here I'm 12. You know, when I heard Pearl Jam, I was 20. So you were eight. Uh, well, what was it? 91 when it came out. So I would, yeah. have been, I would have been 10. 10. Yeah. Wow, what a perfect perfect age, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so my guess is that when that CD hit the hit the record store up in Okanagan, <laughs> you didn't just run right out and get that CD. There's a different story behind that. So Oh, big right? time. Okay. Yeah. So first off, I, I guess going forward, I, you know, I always like the person's story. So if you could just tell me where you're from and uh, knowing that you were 10 when that album came out, um, yeah, I, you know, you don't have to go into, a, you know, from the womb to where you are right now, but kind of where, where you, you're from, where you grew up, um, and what prompted you to get to Pearl Jam's 10 album. I think that'd be a good kind of springboard. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I was born and raised in Okanagan, Washington, um, it's a tiny little town in North central Washington, um, probably a population it's, it's under 3000. And it seems like it keeps dwindling, but it's uh, one of my favorite places. Uh, grow, I'd say growing up, the way I came in contact with, uh, with Pearl Jam's 10 album, it multifaceted to me. Um, so, you know, I'm 10 years old, 10 years old, and I just see, like, MTV's coming out. And I'm to the age where I can, like, well, I'm going to, everybody's tuning into MTV, so why don't I tune into MTV? Um, and I saw the Evenflow video before I saw the Alive video. And I was like, who the hell are these dudes? You know, they're playing cool rock music, got their long-ass hair. Um, and this is, it was before I'd paid attention to Headbangers Ball or 120 Minutes, things like those shows on MTV. And come to find out they're, they're from Seattle when they listen to all the, the VJs talk about it. And I'm like, that's, that's in our state. That's that they're kind of ours, um, so that was my first first time I even really hearing about them was on was on MTV, and then when I got the album, I got the cassette tape, and I was super stoked about the cassette tape, and that's what we used to do. We used I to love it. we used to trade tapes all of my all of my friends did we do all that kind of stuff, but it was at my it would have been my eleventh birthday, yeah, it would have been my eleventh birthday. Um, had a bunch of friends over and. Prior prior to that, I'd always I'd always walk around school with a you know like a boombox in my hand, listening to my my parents' stuff like freaking Steve Winwood and Richard Marks and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, and then I kind of started drifting into my own stuff that I enjoyed. And it was at my birthday party, and I got one of my friends got me the Pearl Jam ten album, the cassette tape. The other one got me. What the heck was a Stone Temple Pilots that core album? And it was like a Naughty by Nature album or something like that. Um, so that was my first time actually having 10 in my hands was at my 11th birthday party. And did not, re- I would listen to that thing like crazy. 
amongst a bunch of other stuff, but would just listen listen to the hell out of it, but not realizing, n- not even cl- not even close, just how cool that that record is. Um, and that's kind of my story. That's kind of my story of how I initially got into it and got it in my hands. Was at my eleventh birthday party. So you didn't you didn't have you didn't have like some transition t- kind of like for me you know being you know I was twenty when that record came out uh-huh. and I I was a big hair hair band guy right yeah and uh, and I remember um, when I first saw I saw Alice in Chains at the River Park or the sit <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, the at like the Red Lion uh-huh. there you know and I they opened up for Bullet Boys okay in yeah. in the in the ballroom at this hotel right and so they they, they oh, no they, they, oh yeah so so allison chains so quick story about allison chains so they opened up for bullet boys and bullet boys album was just huge and that was my first cd by the way and i actually won it off the radio i won tickets <laughs> and the bullet boys cd it didn't even have a cd player i remember those dudes so uh so so we have this ballroom at kavanaugh's river inn and they have those you know those ballroom risers that are foldable you know uh-huh. you wheel them in and you unfold them and they're about like 12 inches off the ground oh you know what i'm talking about uh-huh. in a ballroom oh, yeah. right okay so so the, i'm nervous for this so oh yeah it gets better so what they did for like a, a retaining wall to keep the fans away they turned those six foot tables uh-huh. you know those with the folding legs yeah they folded the legs out they tipped the the leg the table on the side and they put it up against the riser so you've got what a three or four foot barrier yeah but it, but it's only like thirty inches tall. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's gonna keep a cat away from mm-hmm. the stage, not people that are their knees are up to. The, it was just a mess. Anyway, so Bullet Boys, they they're the headliners, and Allison Chains comes out on stage, and and uh, Lane Staley's got his green short dreadlocks, and he's got these cut off overalls, and comes out onto stage. Now, mind you butt rock you know bands they were all about glitz and glam Uh and cross swords and everything else with their (laughs) necks on their guitars (laughs) and uh, dodge left dodge right you know all that stuff lane staley comes out they're opening the show and he's got his middle fingers in the air telling everybody to f off and he turns around and like acts like he's spreading his butt cheeks to the crowd like that was his (laughs) intro intro to the stage right (laughs) Anyway, I don't know how we got from there, but but so so everybody was here to see the Bullet Boys in their tight jeans and their pointed you know metal tip cowboy boots and their jean jackets and hair, and 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 Allison Chains comes out on stage and uh-huh. just starts ripping into whatever, and it blew everybody's faces off, dude. Yeah. It just blew their face off, and I remember after that show everybody walking outside after bullet boys had played just going alice who who was that that was they weren't talking about bullet boys it was like oh my gosh so that was kind of the transition from tesla who was my favorite band at the time who was still in my top three to kind of this seattle thing was that experience so for you but what I, i mean i'm hearing you say you know richard marks which (laughs) <laughs> complete transparency and full disclosure. I think I owned a couple of tapes of oh, Richard yeah. Marks. So you went from what did you say, Bell Biv DeVoe or or Naughty by Nature naughty or something nature. like that? At that? The tape I got at that birthday party. There's one of them was Naughty by Nature. To straight Pearl Jam. 
Yeah. Because it, of MTV and the the geographical connection. A large majority of it was oh, yeah. Oh man. And I was I think I mean look it's easier it's easier looking back at it now of where I was because I what I'd get that um like Kenny Kenny Loggins and yeah, Richard Richard Marks, yeah. Steve Winwood, bands like bands like that. And I would just grab tapes that my parents had. Okay. Or it was stuff that I heard when I'd go with my mom when she'd go to Jazzercise or something, you know. And they'd play all that pop music for to dance to sure, or to, sure. to exercise to. Sure. So it was stuff that I was used to and I just would grab something to listen to. Um and then yeah, seeing these guys on MTV, it was like, What is this? Like this is and the video is super cool. Yeah. So my introduction was a really good visual of their live show. And yeah. Then, and then just they were playing Even Flow and, the, and it was killer. And yeah. That, yeah, it was it was an odd it was an odd time for me musically. Actually, I don't think I don't think I've changed a whole hell of a lot because I, I'll still get I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anxiety attacks, but it'll build up my anxiety when I'm like, God, I, I don't know what I'm into right now. Yeah. And I can always come back to these guys. But uh it's it's it was super it was super odd. I will say that. Because I found I found Pearl Jam and I found a couple of these other bands, um and even some rap band some rap groups too, where I was like, Oh shoot, this is mine now. No, mm-hmm. I'm not this is kinda mine. I can go off in this direction by myself. I'm not unless not necessarily listening to stuff that mom and dad gave me or that we had around the house. This is stuff that I can have and I can kind of make my own. Kind of like grabbing your own your own musical identity. Yes, big time. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't realize it at the time just how how much that was going to take off. And at ten years old, I, I can only imagine. You know, I I mean, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but Okanagan, Washington, in two thousand or whatever it was, nineteen well, ninety nineteen ninety. Like, what's the population of Okanagan? Oh man. It's it stayed pretty it stayed pretty much the same. I mean, it's less than three thousand people, so it's still it's it's small. So it's not like yeah. they have some big vibrant live music scene no, where the cover a, bands. Yeah, yeah. The, the people aren't touring and and stopping at Joe's Chicken Shack in no. Okanagan to no, play they, a, they a, drive a one right on one nighter. Actually, they don't even come into town unless they have to guess. Ninety-seven. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wish they'd stop and play at the Caribou, but they the don't. Caribou. There it is. <laughs> There's a shot for Caribou. Um, so yeah, ten years old. MTV. I always found that too. I mean, you know, MTV was a big springboard for you know, especially like a town of three thousand. Yeah, big time. You talk yeah. about an, an opportunity to connect. I mean, I would imagine local radio didn't have a lot of diversity at that time either. No. No, it didn't. And I and I've never been a huge radio guy. I've never listened to very much at all. Mm. And I and I and I still didn't even at that time because I didn't have I didn't have the control of what I was hearing. Yeah. Which some people really like really like that. I I like to listen to what I want to listen to. Yeah. So my patience level isn't very high, I'd say. With yeah. Some of that. Yeah. But yeah, there's the 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 radio was yeah, there was not a whole lot. Yeah. So so at Okay, you were ten, and then, well, that's kind of cool because you're. It, it, that situation's a lot different than my. That's what's cool about Pearl Jam is that, I think one of the things that are cool about Pearl Jam is that, you know, we're we're twelve years apart, mm-hmm. and 
we pretty much have the same number one record. You know, I, I would probably put Temple of the Dog one and Pearl Jam 10 mm-hmm. two, but I, you know, hell, I could do a, my own personal podcast about why I would put that sure. one and two. But at the end of the day, we're talking 12 years difference in, in like developmentally and geographically and all that stuff. So um, I guess at that point, did you, and I think you pointed on, you, you hit on something really kind of interesting in that you kind of took that identity of that band and your connection with that band. Was there like, you had mentioned, uh, you know, even flow. And I remember that record there, that, that, that uh, video was, was live. I mean, yep. I remember Eddie Vedder doing the old scaffolding uh-huh. hang and the twist into the, the, the microphone, I think. And, and all that stuff. And, and so did you have like a group of friends that kind of pulled to that or did you kind of keep it to yourself at the, the same time? I think there was a few of us that kind of pulled to that stuff. It, it was, it was, uh, it was odd in Okanagan, I would say with, with me and my friends musically with that. Um, cause I would, I was always super into it. I liked all kinds of different music and I'd listen to it a lot. Um, some of my friends wouldn't necessarily, but there was a handful of them that did. And all of us were into, it's the it's the stuff that you, that people make fun of now, or like you see in, in M, the movie Empire. The immediate scene is a scene in Empire Records where this kid steals a bunch of music, and he's got. They're just the record store owners are just making fun of him. Like God, rap, metal, rock and roll, Whitney Houston, and they're making fun of him for it. And I keep coming back. I keep coming back to that because that's what it was like growing up with in Okanagan with music. It felt like was we would listen to we listen to bone thugs and harmony we'd listen to naughty by nature then a bunch of us would be like hey let's listen to this black sabbath album we'd listen to black sabbath we'd listen to a bunch of classic rock stuff and then these guys came up and we're like well this is weird and new so let's grab a hold of that and then all of a sudden you get pearl jam then you get nirvana then you get alice in chains and for me rage against the machine was always it's not a seattle band but it's always that was a big one for me so those four yeah, they were Lollapalooza too yeah yeah yep those four were always huge for me and then and then just seeing in the state of washington what they kind of spearheaded in turn you talk about everything fat the fashion sense um just bands that they would shout out to Soundgarden, you know of course Soundgarden. but so there was a group of five five music artists that I saw just blow up and they just crept into our hometown. And then you see, you see the fashion that people are wearing, like long johns, cut off shorts and stuff like that. Lots of flannel, all of that. So just seeing that take off and I wasn't even, even if I were to try to keep that to myself, everybody else was kind of grabbing hold too. So it was something cool that we all shared. That's one of the things I loved about and why that album is so dear to me aside from the music piece it was just and it's for all of washington state i would say is that how tight how tight we hold that band and yeah. several, some and a lot of the other bands too but like they came from washington they're a washington band they're ours we they were first recognized by washingtonians and they love washington too they still live in washington yeah so i yeah i was i definitely didn't hide that that sense of musical identity. Yeah. Um, Cause you, you really couldn't, I didn't think you could. Yeah. I, I think that um, I, I always, I always liked that. Uh, I always felt like there's, there's always this time in, 
and and I've not really researched it a lot, but it's just kind of my own personal thought about just the a revolution of music. You know, so if you look at just if I was just to go back a little bit, no chronological order here, but if you talk about you talk about sixties music or you know, go back to fifties. Just the just the kind of what fifties music sounds like, you know, Buddy Holly and all those guys and whatever. And then you get into sixties music and kind of kind of spreads a little bit and there's a real dark kind of iron butterfly you <laughs> talked about, you know, and, 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 and just kind of that tra- crazy world, of Arthur Brown and a lot of, you know, Jefferson airplane and, mm-hmm. and, and, and just that kind of stuff. But then you, um, and Beatles had been kind of, kind of spanned that time in a sense. Uh, um, then you get into the seventies and you're into, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, early seventies, you're into Led Zeppelin, late seventies, Zeppelin, um, Aerosmith and, and then you get into like this weird place of, you know, then you get into like a disco flavor, <laughs> you know, I mean, even, even Kiss yeah. had to write that disco sure. song, you know, to yeah. kind of, you know, and then, so there was this revolution of, of music in, in the seventies and kind of, or it, or it kind of went into a couple of different directions, but then, and then, um, you get, you know, that's late seventies and then early eighties you get into you know, caught the cars and, 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 and this kind of new wave and punk and, and all this stuff. And it just kind of gets this, just kind of this melting pot of crud, you know? Yeah. And then, and then the, 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 the hair band stuff comes up and kind of supersedes the punk and new wave thing, or they kind of travel together and hair bands come up and it's this real short and powerful, explosive genre that hits. And it, like over the course of, you know, I mean, some people might argue like Twisted Sister in the early 80s to basically 89, 90, if I'm being nice. And but basically you're looking at like 86 to 89, 90 of this hair band. And, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, the classic rock was your Zeppelins and Aerosmiths at the yeah. time. And all these hair bands just had this big explosion and it was so overdone. Uh-huh. And then Pearl Jam and Nirvana come out with their records. And completely almost like I want to say it like took the freaking cesspool plug out of the bottom of the cesspool and just pulled it out and said, and just gave oh, this yeah. huge freaking totally. enema and said, listen, oh, we don't need hairspray. We don't even need to wear deodorant. Let me just go shop at the thrift shop to put crap on my back mm-hmm. and give me some guitars and just let me just play. It was almost like this classic rock foundation and just play for us sure it's almost like that like yeah. and i think that if you hear those guys talk about things they always say i just play for us just kind of like you had said hey man this is washington it's own it's its own deal and it's just about us and and if it goes beyond that i don't care yeah i don't totally. need to get out of okanagan with this stuff i think the interesting part when you listen to interviews with those guys is the kind of music that they talk about listening to 
Um, I certainly don't want to speak for them, but the stuff that I hear that they talk about is a lot of old, a lot of old classic rock, um, a lot of that. Not really, not really. In, well, I don't ever hear them reference the hair metal bands. The only kind of hair metal I hear them reference are bands that they were in during that period of hair metal. Um, well, that could be considered hair metal, like with with Andy Wood and stuff like that when they were in bands like that. Sure. Um, but I love listening to what they what they talk about listening to. Like Jeff Ament talks about listening to the Dead Kennedys, and he can play you know Frankenchrist front to back. Just dude, and he's from off. Big Sandy, Montana. Too. I know, it's like hilarious. town of like six. It cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. I saw him last year when I was at a, a a Grizz basketball game. I saw him sitting sitting in the front row, just going nuts too. Yeah. He would just just rip the officials apart. It was great, nice. and he scooted out of there with about three minutes to go in the game, and you know I missed my opportunity. But it was it was just that's that's a great example of those guys. Yeah, is here's Jeff Amon at you know at a, at a Montana Grizzlies basketball game, yeah, or Vetter going to a, a Mariners. I know the Mariners are it's a I mean it's a Major League Baseball team, but those guys will go and just enjoy enjoy a game there. Well, it's because it's hometown. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. They're, and they're, they don't seem to be getting hassled either. So you can tell there's a level of comfort with uh, with them just be, with them just being there. Like they feel, yep, I know I'm in a, in a freaking world-renowned band that's been around for 30 years, and we can sell out these massive stadiums and arenas and things like that. Um, but I'm going to go – I feel comfortable being able to go to a basketball game and, and in my – close to my hometown and just hang out and nobody's going to bug me. People are going to be respectful. They might say, you know, Hey Jeff, whatever. Yeah. But it feels comfortable being there. Well, I think you look at the span of their career and they've always had this. I've always had this feeling like that they have just done it for the right reasons, Yeah. which are just their reasons that are organic, not for the paycheck or not for satisfying a record contract or I mean, even the new song I'm thinking when I first heard that, what dance of the clairvoyance, uh-huh. I'm thinking, Holy cow, this is, 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 is talking heads, you know? Yeah. Which is, it doesn't, it seems like a song now that I've listened to it a bunch of times. sounds like a Pearl jam song. Uh-huh. But, but when I first saw, heard it, I was like, how do you, how do you put that out there? But that's just what they do. Yeah. Okay. They're not asking you to like it. If you don't, they'll tell you, I would imagine there's a hundred thousand different places you can go to listen to music. You don't have to have it be here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I were listening to that too. Um, and I, both of us really liked it. I really like it. And there's, there's a little bit more, it totally, it's talking, talking head style. Some of that mm-hmm. new wavy style. Um, I thought it was super cool. And, but it, it, you're right. I don't think it's not a Pearl Jam song when I, when I hear that. Um, cause I listen, you start listening to the records that they put it out in the later two thousands and it totally makes sense that they would put something like that out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, su- doesn't surprise me. Now it surprised me when I initially heard it, but then thinking about it a little bit, I'm like, that sounds, you know, that sounds like stuff you'd hear on their, some of their like binaural or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was made sense. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you, one of the, I wanted to get to a couple of things cause this morning when I was just kind of trying to put a kind of a, some guided questions together for this, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, if I, if I were to ask you, 
Well, I asked you this morning before you came over, I asked you um, when the last time you were, when the last time it was that you listened to the record in its entirety and said about a month and, and, and not that there's any right or wrong answer to that, but I think like, you know, when you came down here, I was listening to Temple of Dog Uh and I was listening to 10 on my way to here. Oh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Temple of the Dog, if I, every song, like I almost have to listen to that record by myself. Uh-huh. I, otherwise, I'm not listening to it. Like, like even if it's in the background noise and I'm talking to my wife, my kids are running around or whatever, I would rather not be listening to that record, right? Oh, yeah. So, because if I'm not able to sink into all those memories and, and all that stuff and take me back to that one place with it, I, I, I don't want to ruin it, right? So, for this record... Like if you, if you were driving back to Okanagan and you're driving by Brewster, wherever you go and you're listening to this record, where does it usually, is there a, is there a common place that it takes you to in your, in your memory or like, a uh, you know, you, you see what totally. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think I'm a lot more appreciative of the album now that because kind of, I mean, I grew up, grew up listening to Pearl Jam. Then I would go through go through high school, and I'd still listen to them, but there's so much other stuff coming out too, and that's just the way I am musically as well. Is I just kind of gravitate toward I'll pay, I'll pick something out and listen to it, and then kind of go down the rabbit hole with other bands related to it. And so I did that throughout high school. Um, well, to get back to your question, a couple of things. So I'm super appreciative of this album now because it's something that my wife and I both share, mm. and we're both. She's a she's a way bigger i'm a big fan she's a way bigger fan than i am you know she's seen him quite a bit more than i have and so it's something that within our marriage that we share and when we even when we first cool. it, even when we first met it was something that we would spend tons of time talking about um it was just a big thing that we had in common so even more so now whenever i whenever i hear pearl jam or talk about pearl jam or something like that it automatically makes me think about my connection that i have with my wife um, so that's, that's one. And that now that's like, that's the big one for me. Um, but looking back on it, when I'd listen to this and think about back home is just thinking about the nineties in Okanagan when I was going through middle school and high school and just seeing, <laughs> seeing, cause everybody, I should, I'm not going to say everybody, but in, in a small town, my experience with that is that you're extremely proud of the small town that you're from. Um, but you see all of this outside stuff coming from bigger towns with more resources and more things to grab a hold of. And you kind of want to bring that into your small town. Certain things take, certain things definitely don't. But um, I'd say with the 90s stuff, especially the 90s music and the 90s dress was brought into Okanagan. And I remember that all the time, seeing some, some guys that I grew up with that were a little bit older than I was going, you know, God, those guys are so rad. Look at those flannel shirts that they have draped around their waist and their <laughs> torn up jeans. Like, I want to do that. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. we'd subtly start trying to. Sure. <laughs> I remember that. I've... All right, I'm going to fray my jeans. And I would, you know, I'd cut, I'd, I'd either cut the bottoms out and fray them or I'd cut, the, I'd cut the, the slit up the side of each side so they'd hang across. And... You know, we just slowly started to do that. Um, and, listen, and just 
these these dudes that were from from Okanagan that would like the guys that would skate a lot. Some of them are really cool because they were going a little bit against the grain. That's what I think Pearl Jam was doing too. Is going was anybody playing guitar or like did it did it ever influence any you or anybody else to pick up the guitar and start playing or it i think it did influence some of the some people i mean some people in my hometown but there were i remember we had this band called squelch in okanagan there was some some high school grad some high school okanagan high school grads and i went up to them i remember buying the cassette from them at the swimming pool during the summer like I'm buy your tape, dude. You know, and I still do that to this day when I'm talking to musicians or something like that, or people of, you know, quote unquote big status. Sure. I don't go and talk to them like a regular human being. They're probably looking looking away, going, "Who's this 38 year old weirdo?" What kind of a question <laughs> yeah, is that? Yeah. So that, but that was, I mean, I come right back to the band Squelch, and these dudes were playing right in the heyday of this stuff, listening to. Listening to Nirvana, listening to I don't know how much Pearl Jam they listen to. I imagine they probably listen to a, a decent amount, but Alice in Chains, Nirvana, lots of punk, yeah. you know, that came around. And I associated, I always associated Pearl Jam with some of those punk bands too, because they were new, and because they weren't your typical mainstream. I separate the songs differently lyrically as I do music musically. Right. So do you have a uh, a song that just if you had to like one song on that record that just says, dude, that riff is the best riff on that record. Um, I keep coming back to release on that album. Yeah. And it just the, the beginning part, that little part where they're where he's picking mm-hmm. and it just plays all throughout the tune. Yeah. And that's the that's the one that I keep coming back to on that album i like it's funny these um like you get you get even flow you get alive there's jeremy there's black all these songs that when you talk to somebody everybody knows and of course most people that are fans know all the songs on that one sure um and i love them all but the ones that stick stick out to me are once uh why go those those really stick out to me garden is one that i love garden too probably my second God. favorite yeah. song on that album that one oh that's such a good yeah. one um and i really like i really like oceans in release too mm-hmm. i love it that those tunes are on that that record too because they get you know you kind of have the songs that took off on the radio play and then you have some other songs that are just rippers mm-hmm. and then they drop it down to oceans and, mm-hmm. and release and so it just these guys cover so many different aspects of music and you can tell you can tell there's a lot of stories being told. There's a lot of emotion, emotions going through when they're writing songs and playing songs. I just thought that that record, top to bottom, is just unbelievable. Anything lyrically that's maybe a separate, you know, separate from that, or or I, specifically? I'm I'm weird with lyrics. Um, I think a lot of what we talked about earlier was that um, I can <laughs> some of them. I don't know. I'm just attracted to bands that i can barely understand what the hell they're saying like i've got to sit down and read it um but that's and the vetter's like that too there's a lot of songs that he sings that you don't have a damn clue what he's saying <laughs> and especially when he's singing it live i mean if he's had a, if he's had a bottle of wine it's even it's even more fun yeah well, but I'm then not- when you read them they make sense i mean you can hear them totally uh but i think with that one i like that that's that's a song about his dad release is 
and the the I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's cool. It, it, he makes a lot of. I, I know in some of the videos and interviews that I've heard, he makes a lot of references to, to his dad around that song, um, and it's just cool. Like that's that story, that story behind just what I've heard. The story about him and his him and his dad mm-hmm. is one that's just. Uh, I can't imagine being in that position that he that he's in, where it sounded like he didn't know his dad very well, and then you know, being absent from him for so long and then wondering what that's like. You know, totally different, totally different for me and my dad. Well, and I I also don't think that you have to have the same connection to that song as he did either. Yeah. To be able to go on a journey. I think think with me hearing a little bit of background about that song from, from him, and the outpouring of, of emotion that you can hear throughout that entire in that entire song was just was like oh yeah okay that's where that makes a lot of sense because I hear and feel that emotion when they're playing that tune and when I listen to it and I can't imagine I can't imagine writing that trying to match trying to match musically and lyrically to what you're feeling like it, that would just I can't ima- I can't imagine what all flooded out when they wrote that when they put that song together and then when they played it like for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think he mentioned when he played when they played that thing for the first time that he really had a hard time getting through it. Is uh, is is ten your favorite Pearl Jam record? I think. Oh man, yeah, I think so. I think it is. But then I you know I'll go through phases. I'll go through phases where I'll listen to a bunch of their stuff and. Like Vitology is one that I really like. Versus versus is one that I really like. Um, I like. I don't li- dislike any of them. Mm-hmm. There's ones that I like more than others. But then I really like listening to like the the avocado one, the one with the avocado on the cover, and then uh, Riot Act and Binaural, those albums too that are a little out there mm-hmm. as well. But god dang, they're cool. If you just just diving into them, they're it's awesome to listen to. Um, shoot, what was, um, the one that I, the one that I really dove into, this is a few years ago was, was no code. And even Mm -hmm. after watching their PJ 20 documentary where they were talking about where they were as a band at that time, I thought it was, I thought it was great. It was just, again, diving into these dudes more and, and watching that that documentary and, and frankly any other kind of documentary or interview that I can read about these guys or watch and hearing where they're at and then having their sound being really honest to where to where they're at all of them are at at that point and you can hear that a ton in no code they've had a career and a fan base that has just kind of accepted what they put out there and it's kind of you know what was what was the the record right before this last one? Oh, lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! Like I, I got away from Pearl Jam for probably the previous four records, uh-huh. largely. You know, I like their handful of good songs or whatever in there, but Lightning Bolt came out and it just recharged my batteries for Pearl Jam. I don't know why, I but it 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 just did, and I like every song on that record. Like it just. I don't know what happened, and it's almost like I it, I never skipped a beat. I I saw that Pearl Jam twenty uh, documentary, 
you know, they, they interviewed Stone at his house. Yeah. I think that coffee mug. It, it, well, but the, he was in his car. Remember, he was driving uh-huh. his car, and I was like, I was looking at the steering wheel to see what he's driving. I think he was driving like a, it must have been like a hybrid Prius or, was, or, yeah. or, or, a, or a Subaru or something like that. And you're just like, yeah, that, that's, that's, he's green. You know, he's uh-huh. not, it doesn't have a Mercedes symbol or a BMW or an Audi or Lexus or anything like that. He may own one of those. I don't know, but he's driving a Subaru or a Toyota or something like that. Yeah. And just, just it is you know he's just he's just there you know and 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 talking about all those real i think that too i think that is just kind of goes back to the organic part of that scene and and it like you had said it's washington yeah it's the pacific northwest when i got out of the air force um i moved back to spokane and I, and that was in 93 or whatever and, uh, but before, actually before that, so as I, I came back to Spokane and my really good friend, um, said, Hey, here's Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam and, and, and Soundgarden and Mother Love Bone and, and Green River and Mud Honey and all these bands, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, I went back down and of course then I'm buying anything Seattle, you know, and when I was back down in California for that last like two years, I was down there. Then I remember moving back to Spokane and just wanting to reach for so much more music that would bridge the gap of Seattle to Spokane. And I remember, uh, oh, this is a little bit off, but uh, but I remember um, the ties uh, uh, that Screaming Trees had to Ellensburg. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. holy cow, yeah. man, you know, you know, these guys are, you know, Mark Lanigan and all those guys at Ellensburg were getting a little bit closer and... <laughs> I would just do all these things. And then black happy came out, you know, they had been around before I even went into the military. They had been around, but it was like, Oh man, black happy. And, and all these bands and just kind of making it our own and trying to keep it our own was, was, was pretty cool. And then you see these guys and they're just, they're just guys in their community. Yeah. And still there. And talk about a cool crowd too, is the black happy crowd. So I got yeah. when you and I went and watched them um, a couple summers ago when they played in town. I got the same feeling from watching just the crowd sing every damn Black Happy song that they were playing. Because um, I I'd heard I'd heard of them. I'd listened to a little bit of stuff, but not even close to be able to know songs and pick them out and anything like that. And then seeing the crowd, and they're all people from that I knew from friends that we've that, people that we've met through our friends that are from Priest Lake. Oh, okay. Up there. Sure. And I'm like, oh, there's a Priest Laker. There's a Priest Laker. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and then we'd go shoot the I'd shoot the breeze with them and they were like, We brought our whole crew from the bar up at Priest Lake. Yeah. And it was a huge party. Well you guys talk about, you know, that that group, you know, Priest Lakers and and whatnot. There's it's almost like, you know, Pearl Jammers are, you know, have that same Grateful Dead, Fish, Dave sure. Matthews oh, kind yeah. of thing, where they travel around, and you know, you met a good friend of mine um, uh, th- this past fall, um, Lance, who I think he hit the circuit, right? Uh-huh. If I'm not mistaken, he went to the Seattle show. It was a stadium tour, whatever it was yep. called. He went to Wrigley. He went to Boston. No, he didn't go to one of them. Didn't was that what it was? I want to was it or did he go was, to all of them? Did he? Oh. Did he leave out the Boston one? 
maybe that's it. But but, sure. but you got these people that do those things, yeah. and it's it's the same, you know, same kind of vibe. You know, I want to sink into that moment, just like a what I understand a Grateful Dead show to be. I've never been to one, but it's I would assume it's similar to like people that go to that Dave Matthews weekend. Yep. You know, my cousins go to that every year, and they they probably will forever. And it's just, it's not going to a Dave Matthews show. It's mm-hmm. going to a Dave Matthews experience. And I yeah. think that that's what a lot of Pearl Jammers do Yeah, the same way. Have you, did you, is there like a, a, a moment or a con in a, a concert or a concert moment that you recall is your favorite or real kind of profound or remarkable to you? My, my favorite one. Well, my, actually, yeah, yeah. My the the we went to we went and saw them in Seattle and Missoula the last time they were on the road my wife and I did and that was super cool my favorite one though was when we went and saw them in Miami so we were really yeah we were cool. in uh, my my in laws my my two brother in laws they lived down in Miami so we planned a planned a big trip planned a big trip down there for spring break and it just so happened that Pearl Jam was down there touring that's where they were part of their kickoff for that tour was down in Miami. And we were like, let's all go. So it was, we went down there and we got, you know, we got all the tickets and it was, um, me, my wife, my two brothers-in-law, my brother-in-law's wife and my father-in-law and all six of us went down and that place, God, it was crazy. And this is my first time ever going to Miami. And we went and went and hit up a couple of the bars down there, um, before we walked over to the arena and it's the, it's where the Miami heat play. Mm. And it was just like Pearl Jam had com- the fans had completely taken over that downtown area in Miami, um, and it was awesome. Everybody was you know you get people from you know from Iowa that flew down to Miami to see him play, and just people from all over the place, and just shooting the breeze with them. Everybody's ha- everybody's in a great mood. They're fired up and having a good time, catching a little buzz before we go to the show. Yeah, and that was awesome. But it was really cool to share that share that with my in-laws because i know my my wife's like i said my wife's a massive fan and her brothers are both huge fans too um so to be able to go hang out with them during that was awesome that was a cool one is there a a favorite song that you like to hear at, at the shows i had my favorite pearl jam song is state of love and trust oh yeah baby I love that one. That's my favorite one. Yeah. And so, and I've heard that at dang near all of the shows that I've been to, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe a couple, they didn't play that one, but it's, and I, I like the difference of when you hear it on record versus when they play it live. Cause it's up tempo. Well, it's up tempo anyway, but it's really sped up Yeah. when they play it live and it's just killer. I love that one. There's, yeah, McCready's um, really ripping that. That's yeah. that's a that's a good. It's yeah yeah. Do you have that singles soundtrack? Oh yeah, yep. That's a great soundtrack. That's awesome. Man. And those songs and the way they yeah. Gosh Almighty yeah. State of Love and Trash is a is a ripper. That's uh, yeah. That's my favorite one. I'm trying to. There's the ones that I like to hear anymore are um, well. I like them all, but uh, I like hearing some of the rarities that they'll play. Because they always pull some of those out at their shows anymore. Yeah. Um, the first song I ever saw him play, and I didn't see him. I didn't see him live till I think it was 06, 
something like that. They did a double show at the Gorge, and that, and I caught both of them. Was it right? Yeah, right around there. Anyway, um, they came out and opened with Wash. Oh yeah. And I was just sitting there going, "Oh yeah, that one's killer." And I feel like they can put you in a place like feeling like you're stoned without having to smoke weed. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, dude, they can just put me into this trance without any kind of injecting anything other than sound and visual appeal in my, you know, senses. Yeah. Like wash would do mm-hmm. that and, and release would do that. And well, anything does it really. Yeah. They played Long Road when we saw him in Seattle the first night, and I'd ne- that's my that is my brother-in-law's favorite tune. Yeah. Um, so they opened with that, and so it was cool to be able to see that one. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. That's the kind of stuff, though. That right? Like, so you're you didn't just say the song, but you talked about the connection with your, your th- with your brother-in-law and that song, and and uh, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So Miami, I didn't, I didn't even know that you oh, yeah. had seen them yep. in Miami. Holy we went smokes! Down. That was, I was pretty proud of that one. Yeah, I would be too. The I other, co- too. the other cool one was when we saw him. Well, I've seen him in Missoula twice, and the Adam Center one. That was what was that? Two thousand nine, maybe. But I can't remember when it was. That was a great one. But when my wife and I went and saw him in Missoula this last time. We were staying. We were staying at an Airbnb out in Hamilton, Montana, which is like you know twenty five, thirty minutes away. And we went to this brewery in Hamilton, and it's just packed, and everybody is in there because that's where they're staying because they're gonna go see Pearl Jam the next sure. day. And we were sitting. At, we were sitting at a table and just started shooting the breeze with this couple that were all from Iowa, um, and they were like, <laughs> you know, so hearing their that's stories awesome. about it too, you know, yeah. we're like, yeah, you know, we're just from Spokane, Washington, not a far drive. And they're like, yeah, flew down, flew in from Iowa. And then you go around, they go around the stadium where they're going to play on, we got into town like Thursday. So on Friday, we tried to go and get in the merch line, which is insane. Yeah. This is a whole other topic. But um, there's people from Australia. They've got this whole Australian crew that travels together to these shows and they set up shop right there um or people that'll camp out to get to get in the try to get close to the rail sure it's just a I, that that part kind of shocked me because i'm like yeah yeah but i i i don't i mean i and i haven't you know the last time i saw pearl jam was in what 2013 uh at the at the arena and it was probably one of the best shows i have ever seen and i had seen pearl jam a few times prior to that but that was a good one. But it seems like they're all the same kind of people. Yeah. That that they're just they just want to have that experience and share experiences and and uh yeah, I don't have any in fact I, I would rather be sitting by myself or my collective group and just being able to sink into the experience. And yeah. I'm I'm good with that. I, I could do that at two hundred, three hundred level as just as Probably yeah. better than what I could at the 100 level, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a thing that I do at those shows where, I'll, I mean, I might catch a little bit of a buzz, but I've only got, actually, the first show that I ever saw Pearl Jam at, at the Gorge, I got, I was pretty trashed. It was my birthday weekend, and I got, 
I went with a crew that likes to get after it. And we did. <laughs> I, I went into it being like, you know, guys, I just want to see them. I want to see them just fully present. I don't want to have any alcohol in my system or anything like that. And they're like, shut up, Neely. You're going to drink. You're going to drink today. And then tomorrow we're not going to drink. And there was a reason why we didn't drink the next night, next night, because we were freaking hungover and it was 110 degrees outside. <laughs> but uh, and, and, and this is at the gorge, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, geez. Yeah. But I still, I mean, I remember the entire show, and I remember lots about the entire show, even when I was pretty buzzed up. But I have a thing where I try not to get, um, I try, I don't want to see him drunk. I don't want to see him intoxicated. Well, it's hard because the last thing that I want to do for a show anymore is to not be able to savor yeah. the show. Like, I mean, I remember seeing Tesla and Poison at Tacoma, in Tacoma. We took the rock bus over from <laughs> KXRX or whatever it was. <laughs> and we were just, you know, I think I weighed 135 pounds and had like eight beers or something like that on the bus. And by the time I got there, I was just, Bleh. and it was a terrible experience. Mm -hmm. It was like, this isn't how I want to do this. So now it's like, I want to be able to, I mean, I don't mind having a couple of beverages or whatever, but if I'm not able to sink into that experience, it's just not, what am I doing? Yeah. You know? So I think I always find it to be a waste of money. Yeah. And a waste of money, and I find it to be um, insulting. Because if, you, if you're not, that, that take, it does, it takes away from the experience. Totally does. Some people would argue against that, but I, I'm like, no, if, you're, if, you're, if you can't focus on what's going on, um, or you're having all kinds of side conversations where you're not paying attention, at all like that's i find that to be insulting and disrespectful um and i know i know how i am when i'm uh when i've had a few you know <laughs> i'm gonna just i'm gonna be swinging around a little bit my yeah. attention isn't gonna be focused on, on yeah, the music yeah. like i want it to be yeah i'm gonna even tell myself gosh how much longer are they gonna play and i don't want to do that if you had to have a genre of music that you had to hang your hat on which genre would it be oh and just in general yeah that is a tough one i like to ask this question because i think it it's not always the same and it it doesn't always fall in line with the the one record that somebody might say yeah. that they tie themselves to man I, you know it, it would be between uh rock and pop not metal but uh probably rock and pop music i find myself listening to a ton more pop more pop music as i get older um and i and i'm into stuff that i have that i never listened to before so even some of the later roxy music stuff which is that eight, 80s kind of pop new wave stuff i mm -hmm. love that i love that stuff um a lot of bowie and I considered Bowie to be to play a lot of pop music. Um, who are some of the, the Cars? I love. I, it's a lot of these '80s mm -hmm. new wave pop bands that I just love listening to. Sure. Well, pop so, music, though. I mean, you could take yeah, it's you it's, could take the top. Huge. You could take the top forty it, since the inception of the top forty. Yeah. So <laughs> I know, right? That's cheating. Yeah, I know. It's. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
but 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 no but i i, I get your point i mean i but because it, um, my assumption would be you're talking about when you say pop music you can't leave out justin bieber and, and lady gaga well i'd, I'd take gaga okay, <laughs> but, but but you yeah. get what i'm oh, yeah. saying right what was your pre-game um playlist before you went out on, oh man out onto the field in in high school or college well, high school. We would do. Man, I don't. Um, most of the time, I was so freaking hopped up. I don't quite remember. But I finally started putting them together my senior year, and we would have. This is when Marilyn Manson was out. Oh, and we'd have a we'd have a couple of songs off of that Antichrist Superstar album on there, um, that were just charged. Mm-hmm. And we would do we would do those. We would do a lot of. Um, ACDC and a ton of Pantera. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we did quite a bit of Pantera. A lot of Metallica. Um, so I would have that, especially in high school, have that. Now, when I went to college, I got into hardcore a lot. Oh, boy. Look out. And, and some pretty nasty metal um, on my headphones. Hmm. Nobody else wanted to hear that, so, but I loved it. <laughs> um <laughs> Coach Tully wasn't into that. No, no, he wasn't. No, he was not. Who and was it? McCullough was your O line coach. Yeah, he wasn't into that either. I would imagine. No, hell no. Yeah, yeah. But I would play that in my headphones and just get probably overdo it. Yeah. And after the first snap, I was, you know, you're good. Yeah, yeah, I was good to go. Interesting. Well, cool. Well, I I appreciate your time and and. Um, your perspective and just kind of the fellowship of the whole process. And, and I appreciate you coming here too. So um, we'll have to do it again and we'll have to, I'd really like to get you back here and get like um, a sequence of football dudes like oh, you yeah. and bird and, and uh, maybe somebody that he would be able to get or, or somebody that you would be able to get to be able to talk about a, a few different things um, going forward. But um, but music-wise, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you spending some time. So Oh, it was great. Yeah, let's right. do it again. It was fun. I was, you know, when you asked me to, to find one album, so that's the immediate one that I'm going to go to, but then my, my, my mind started rolling like crazy. I was like, shoot. I mean, I can go Primus, I could go Slayer, I could go my my first three albums that I ever owned on CD, which I got for Christmas were, <laughs> uh, my dad got me Leonard Skinner and Tom Petty. Nice. So my parents both picked picked out a couple a CD for me because they bought me a disc man for Christmas that year. So my dad bought me Leonard Skinner and Tom Petty, and then my mom bought me in Vogue. So I'm just nice. here, my dad's like. Oh, you're going to love that. You're going to love that. <laughs> Leonard Skinner and Tom Petty. Those are great albums. I don't have a damn clue about it in Vogue, but your mom picked that one out. <laughs> you know? Well, I, and I got I to gotta ask you, too, because it, 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 one of the things that I wanted to be able to do with this, with especially with this podcast, is to ask, and I've already told you this, so this isn't fair, but, but I wanted to, my whole process with, with this podcast was to have this, you, you, you did a really good job and it's exactly what I think I, what I wanted to get at. But the idea is to ask P 
people to come on this show or this podcast. And once they agreed to do that, um, my one question just before they came on was, was I want you to, the, the whole idea is to just talk about one album. And so the idea is to just say, all right, we're going to talk about one album. And usually it's like, well, well, what do you mean? Well, give me some context. Sure. What are you talking about? Yeah. And, and I'm never going to tell them why. Yeah. Because the idea is to hopefully have them just exactly what you said. I could talk about, you know, Primus or whatever, but I'm, I'm not asking. So that's the internal struggle I think I want to put the guest on or in, you know, is to justify or take that journey beforehand because who knows where you go? Oh. Well, are you talking about before the game and, and getting amped up? Or are you talking about life journey? Or are you talking about, you know, you, you brought up a good point about the just you and your wife and that connection. And that's did, did, did that kind of stuff go through your mind, I oh, guess? Totally. Even though I kind of cheated by telling you what the idea was. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, I mean, it was, I remember talking with my wife about it going, well, I mean, ten, for me, 10 is a pretty easy one to go to. But how much how much do I want to th- how much do I want to overanalyze it? Yeah, you know, um, because I know during the conversation, especially when we're talking about this stuff, we could talk about ten for hours. Mm-hmm. But it, even within that conversation, you're going to talk about a bunch of different bands too. It's just the way it's it's just going to work out organically that way. Um, yeah. And I knew that was going to happen too. So yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. Cool. And I, frankly, I like the internal struggle a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Internal struggle. That's that's my goal is to have that internal struggle, and then and then perhaps see see the guest <laughs> the guest squirm a little what the hell? <laughs> squirm a little bit from it. So, well, cool. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And um, maybe we can get one more person to listen to this once I get it produced. Right on. All right, Sounds brother. Great. Thank you much. You bet. There you have it, my first podcast. Again, I'd like to thank Tyler for being my guinea pig. He certainly picked the right album to kick this thing off. I look forward to connecting with family, friends, and acquaintances as they share their journey to choosing their one album. Thanks for listening. And until next time, what's your one album?